morning, church. At this moment, I'm going to ask Lucas and Jackson and the prayer group to come up, discipleship group, Brother Biff, make your way in the middle right here. And I just want you all to lay hands on them, and we'll pray in a few. Adam? So Jackson is leaving uh, today at 1.30. He's enlisted in the military, so he'll be... um, leaving. So we want to be able to pray with him. This is his discipleship group, um, people who have poured into him. Um, And Adam is, uh, I've asked Adam to pray. So join us as we pray for Jackson. Uh, Also, we're praying for Lucas as well, right? That's that's his dad, and he'll be missing his son. So uh, let's pray for both of them. Dear Father, we just come to you today. Uh, We lift up Jackson. Uh, Thank you for the blessing he's been uh, as he steps out in faith uh, to so what you've called him to do. I just pray that you would ease any anxieties he has. Um, be with him. Uh, help him to be rooted in you, God. Uh, help him to be a house built on the rock. Uh, just be with him. Uh, help him to be bold and to be a light where he's going. And just, just hold him tight, God. Hold him close. Uh, protect him. And God, we just pray that you'd be with him. We pray all these things again. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Continue to pray for Jackson. If you're a guest, welcome to First Baptist Church of Thibodeau, we're always excited to have guests with us, and if you uh, a member know that we've been praying for you guys, we've been walking faithfully through 1 Samuel, um, and today is a special day, uh, we will be partaking of the Lord's Supper, and we also have a baptism as well. Um, my son Silas is going to be baptized, I'm very excited about that, so praise God, amen, amen. Um, with that said, can you please stand out of reverence to God's holy word? First uh, Samuel chapter 17, we're in verses 31 through 40. When you've arrived to the text, say word, word. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul and sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with the Philistine." And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. And David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father, and when there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of the mouth and If it arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And and David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go. And the Lord be with you. And Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put his helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor and tried in vain to go. He had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. And David put them off. Then He took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's porch, a pouch, sorry. 
his sling in his sling was in his hand and he approached the Philistine join me as we pray together father we thank you for the faith of David we thank you that you are amazing we thank you that you are such a good God and merciful and kind even in the midst of our difficulties you show yourself faithful to us so God, as we learn from David, and as we learn that there is a greater David, let us trust in Jesus. We ask that you teach us what we do not know. Make us what we are not, and give us what we do not have. We ask all of this in Jesus' mighty and precious name, God's people said, amen, amen. You may be seated. The title for today's sermon is, The Faith of David, The Faith of David. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 15, verse 4, he mentions this. He says, For whatever was written in the former days was written for our instructions that through endurance and through the encouragement of scriptures, we might have hope. So in other words, the Old Testament is meant for our edification. It's meant for our encouragement. But there are two great applications that we must get from Paul's words here. The first application is when we observe 1 Samuel chapter 17 is to know that the greatest application of all, the ultimate application, is that we are not David in this story. We're not David in the story. David is Jesus. Goliath is death and sin. This is the ultimate application. But we must also understand that we can learn from David's faith, right? And what happens is a lot of times we push so hard against people who look at this text and say, you need to fight against the Goliaths in your life, which we should fight against that. But we push so hard against that that we find ourselves on the other side where we, we say to ourselves, there is no reason that we should learn from David's faith. There's a problem when you do that. Some people have actually said David was such a sinner, there's no need to learn from David. We learn from David's mistakes, but we also learn from David's victory because God was working in David's life. So friends, don't miss this. This is exactly what we must understand. So in verses 1 through 31, we, we notice of this huge man by the name of Goliath, right? The Philistines are back. The Philistines are now intimidating the people of God. On one side, here are the Philistine armies or military, right? And you're looking at hundreds and thousands of people, perhaps. And then you look at the little nomad group, which is called the Israelites, led by Saul. And now the Philistines are attacking. But the Philistines then sent this huge man, this giant of a man by the name of Goliath. And Goliath is nine feet, six inches tall, according to the measurement here, right? This is a huge man. And it mentions about his, his coat of mail, which is basically 126 pounds. There's some of you in this room, you don't weigh 126 pounds, right? That was Goliath's coat. <laughs> and then it mentions about his spare head, which was 15 pounds, and his 
his armor, or basically his, his shield, was so large that it took one man to carry it along. So here is Goliath, this massive, massive man. And for 40 days, every single day, he will taunt and mock the people of God. What are you doing? What are you doing? Here am I, Goliath, a Philistine. Who will you send out to face me for 40 days and we notice that David answered this young shepherd boy and we notice the contrast between Goliath and David David is a runt he is a small shepherd boy he doesn't have all the armor that Goliath has and yet David answers and says I will go and fight against this Philistine and now in this particular passage of Scripture, I want you to observe David's faith. But two things you must see here. One is the source of David's faith. The source of his faith. Right? We see this in verses 32 through 38. And then finally, I want you to see the test of David's faith. His faith is tested here. And we see this in verses 39 through 40. Please join me as I pray for us and we dive deeply into the Word of God again. Father, we need your help. We need you to come and move mightily as we speak your Word, O oh Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this. Thank you for the Word that you have given us. Thank you for the example in David's life that we do have, that we can emulate as the author of Hebrews mentioned, that we must emulate the life of those of great faith. But most importantly, thank you that you are the greater David in this story. And you have conquered death and sin on our behalf. So we love you and we thank you. Amen. Amen. Notice again the first point, the source of David's faith. We are taught today that faith is simply believing so hard at anything you want and you will get it and you will receive it. This is what we are taught. Just believe and believe and believe as hard as you want and you will get it as, as if God is a genie, right? This is how this culture is portraying faith. I, I think sometimes when you think about this, this superhero sometimes, right? The X-Men, right? And my favorite is Jean because she can move things with her mind, telekinesis, right? She can move things with her mind. But it's quite interesting when you watch them, when they first try to figure out their giftings or their talent, they're constantly concentrating as hard as they can on this particular object, to move this particular object. And the harder they can concentrate, the better it's going to be. They can actually move mountains because they concentrate so mightily. And we bring this into our spirituality and we say, this is exactly what God wants us to do. Just concentrate so hard that your mountains will be removed. Your giants will be slayed. Whatever you desire, you will get. But friends, the object of our faith in Christianity is not you. It's not even what you want and the obstacles around you. The object of your faith is God and believing in God. Faith begins with God and it ends with God. Faith is saying, God, I believe in you even though my circumstances might not change. Even though I die, 
My faith is in you, and that will never change. So faith and the object of faith is in God. It's believing in God. And here we have it that the source of David's faith is God. It's, it's not in his capabilities. As a matter of fact, the author of 1 Samuel has portrayed and he's done such a great job at showing us that David is disqualified for going before Goliath. Goliath is described as this massive man who has this armor and he has this shield and he has all of these amazing things. And what do we know about David? A shepherd boy? <laughs> That's it. A young shepherd boy. David should not be facing Goliath based on human standards, right? But he's exactly the right person because of his faith in God. How is your faith in God? How is your faith in God? We notice here how Goliath taunts David and Saul, the king, will also taunt David. We, we see the similarity between Saul and Goliath. They, they both mock David just by simply looking at him and noticing his appearance. Saul says to David, you are just a boy. And Goliath has been training to do this since he was a youth. Goliath basically would make fun of David as well and say to him, you are nothing but a runt. Time and time again, friends, we, we see this. Well, what David teaches us here, and don't miss this, this is a great principle for us to hold on to. One of the greatest fuels for our faith is our walk with God and our experiences with God. As we, as we walk with God and as God consistently shows himself to us, that's fuel to our faith. And we notice in 1 Samuel when, when Samuel said to the people, this is a monument that you must build after they were victorious against the Philistines. And Samuel says, call this monument Ebenezer which basically means the Lord helps. So we must build monuments of God's faithfulness in our lives and always go to those monuments. Remember when you were 10 and God did amazing things, 15 and God did amazing things, when you got married and God did amazing things, now and God has done amazing things. So we build those monuments and go back to. And these monuments are fuel to our faith. This is exactly what David does here. So let me ask you this question. What David does here as well, don't miss this, this is very important. He forms or he closed the gap between what we believe is true about God and how we apply those things. What we believe is true about God, sound biblical doctrines and how we ought to live out sound biblical doctrines. And that's exactly what David does here. He teaches us how to believe theological things about God. God is good. God is sovereign. God is merciful. God is kind. God is wrathful. God is a God of justice, right? All of these amazing attributes. But he also shows us how to live that out. And in his two experiences, he invites us to see that. So this morning, you might be saying, God is a sovereign God. And you believe it. Oh, he is sovereign. 
But how is God sovereign in your life? How are you applying the sovereignty of God in your life? Is there a lot of complaining in your life? Right? If he is sovereign, or you might be saying, God is good. Well, how is God good in your life? How are you experiencing the goodness of God and living out the goodness of God? The story by Horatio Spafford. It's a very important story. Great story. Horatio Spafford was a successful lawyer and investor in the mid to late 1800s. And in 1871 was the great Chicago fire. He lost everything. Around the same time, Horatio Spafford lost his four-year-old son to scarlet fever. This man was going through a lot. So he decided he was going to send his daughter, his four daughters and his wife to England just for a vacation. And he wanted to stay back to deal with some business stuff, right? Pressing business issues. He decided to send his four daughters and his wife. And as they were traveling to England on a ship, it wrecked. And the four daughters died with only the wife surviving. And she made it to England and she sent him this telegram saying, save alone, what shall I do? This is the words he got from his wife. Save alone, what shall I do? He got on a ship on his way to see his wife. And as he was traveling the captain of the ship told him exactly, this is where your four daughters died. And at that very moment, the Lord gave him a great hymn. And you know this hymn. You know this hymn. Maybe you didn't know the background to this hymn. But here it goes. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to know, it is well, it is well with my soul. Ah, that changes the background, right? When we sing this hymn, we see where it came from. Great pain, but great peace in God. This is a man who understood the theology and doctrines of God's goodness and sovereignty, but now he's able to apply it. It's well with my soul. What are the experiences that David gives us here? That God walks with us intimately. The source of our faith is God. But the experiences in our life fuels our faith even more. And David tells us in verses 34 and 35, 37. But David said to Saul, and Saul's questioning him, you're just a young boy, how can you do this? And David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion and a bear, he took a lamb from the flock. And I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and beard. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. But he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, don't miss this, friends. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistines. Or this Philistine. And Saul said to him, go. 
many, many of us perhaps fail to learn from our lessons in our experiences and even in our lives, good or bad, right? Like we fail to understand that God is intricately involved in our lives. If you, if you are a Christian today, whether you're Christian or not, especially if you're a Christian, the moment you give your life to Jesus, every decision that you make must be given to Jesus. Must be given to Jesus. Jesus is involved in our lives, in every aspect of our lives. And this is exactly what David is teaching us here. So notice very carefully what A.W. Pink mentions concerning David's language here. Seems as if he's boasting. It seems as if there is a sense of overconfidence, right? So if we look in our past, we look at our experiences, sometimes it could be a sense of overconfidence. I can do this in and of myself. But that's not what David is doing here. There is a great reliance upon God, a dependency upon God. A.W. Pink comments, the language used by David in the presence of the king was not a bravado of a boaster. There's no arrogance here, friends. But the God-honoring testimony of a man of faith. You know what David shows us here? David shows how we should use our past experiences of God's faithfulness to embolden us in faith for the future. I like what one commentator mentioned, Ralph Davis. He comments saying, looking back in faith enables him to look forward in faith. So David, looking back in faith, enables him to look forward in faith. What Yahweh has done in the wilderness of Judah, he will do in the valley of Elah. What great truth here. So, so all of the things that God's doing in your life right now is to prepare you for something else. That's why we thank God for the difficulties, the trials, the tribulations, and we ask God to teach us. Let us know what you're teaching us here, God, right? To prepare us for something even greater. And this is exactly what we learn about the faith of David. Don't miss this, friends. This is why we can look at the Old Testament and read stories about men and women who walked with God and be emboldened by their faith, be encouraged by their faith. This is why when we read in the book of Exodus and we read about Moses' mother and Moses' sister, and we read about Moses and we read about in Genesis about Jacob and Abram, and we read about these men and these women, we are excited to know that, man, we can live for God because we have great examples Great examples. But not only do we find a source of David's faith, who was God, it wasn't his abilities, it wasn't his background, it definitely wasn't the five smooth stones. <laughs> was not. It was God. And David reminds us of that, right? He said, God was the one who saved me out of the mouth of the lion and the bear, right? God has delivered me, and God will deliver this Philistine into my arms. God will deliver him. There is great faith in God here, and 
Finally, in the second point, don't miss this, friends. I need you to see this. Not only the source of David's faith, but the test of David's faith. Faith comes with testing. Did you get that? If you are a believer today and there is genuine faith, you will be tested. There's no doubt you will be tested. And through, throughout this narrative, we see the, David's faith, right? It, it shows itself with great confidence and courage, right? But it, we also see the testing of David's faith. So faith in Scripture, we understand that people will be tested. For example, Abraham in Genesis chapter 22, he was tested. After he was waiting for a long time for his son, for God to give him this promised son, God finally gives him this promised son. And what did God demand of Abraham or Abraham? To sacrifice his only son, right? What a great test. We also give an examples of Isaac being tested, Jacob being tested, Joseph being tested, Moses being tested, Paul being tested. We are consistently being tested. Why is that? Because of what James mentioned. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Do you get that? The testing of your faith. You will be tested. Produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Throughout the narrative, we see that David is being tested. The first test here is from his brother, Eliab. If you notice in verses 28, in verse 28, it mentions that his brother, Eliab, tested him. Do you see it in your own Bibles? Notice with me very carefully what his brother said to him. This is his older brother, by the way. David approached the army, the, the military, and this is what was said to David. Now, Eliab, his eldest brother, heard, and he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David and said, Why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumptuous, I know your presumption and the evil of your heart. For you have come down to see the battle. And David said to him, What have I done now? Huh. Dude, I'm always in trouble. I know I'm the younger brother, but I'm always in trouble. What have I done now? Was it not but a word? And he turned away from him to word another and spoke in the same way, and the people answered him again as before. That's a test here. There's older brother saying to you, stop, go home, go take care of the sheep. David did not. Friends, we have a very similar example with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in John chapter 7. I don't know if you remember the story. Jesus chose not to go to Judea, because of the feast, and he said, because people did not believe in him, and his brothers came to him and mocked him by saying to him, if you are a teacher, if you call yourself the Messiah, I'm paraphrasing, why don't you go? Why are you in secret? 
Reveal yourself to the world. And John says to us, they said that because they were not believers. Even in your own family, you will be tested. And David is teaching us this as well. That our faith can be tested even in our own family. Even with your parents, with your spouse, even with church folks, your faith can be tested. And here David is teaching us, man, we need to keep pursuing God, right? Notice the next person, Saul. His faith is tested by the king through his statement and also his gesture, right? What statement? David Saul says to David, you are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth. And he has been a man of war from his youth. Well, that would discourage anybody, right? Here's the king. You go into the king and you're saying, king, let me fight. He's like, man, you're just a boy. Stop. And then there is a sense of discouragement and testing by his gesture. What is this gesture? Well, then he says to David, okay, I'll let you go. You're pretty persistent. I will let you go and fight against Goliath. But you got to promise me one thing, David. Wear my clothes. Wear my armor. Now, you got to remember, Saul was the tallest man in Israel. And David is a runt. Have you ever tried or maybe experienced your young children wearing your clothes? Right? I mean, I have pictures of it. I, I don't have it up there. I don't want to embarrass any of them. But... You know, when, they, when I was younger, they would put my hat on or they will put my big jacket on or my shoes on. And it's like, my goodness, they can't even walk. My clothes just swallow them, right? And I can imagine David is, is the same. Like he, he tried the helmet of Saul. He, he tried the, 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 the coat of Saul, the sword of Saul. And there is a temptation, perhaps, to say, I want to please the king here to go and fight against Goliath in all of this. This is the testing of his faith. But notice what David mentioned here. David says, I will not. I'm not ready for this. I haven't practiced in these things. I need to go. He took it off. He found five smooth stones with his sling. And he goes into battle. He goes into battle. Why is that? Because David trusted that God will give him the victory. Friends, do you notice time and time again, David is saying, God will deliver him. God will deliver him. Not that I will kill him in and of myself, but God will deliver him. The object of our faith is not our circumstances. It's not even you. It's not even the result of our faith. The object of our faith is God. It is God. It begins with him and it ends with him. We might say, man, if I believe as much as I want to, as hard as I need to, then things are going to happen. No, you need to believe in God and trust in him so he can lead you and guide you. So what do we have before us? The source of David's faith and finally, the test of David's faith. How is your faith? How is your faith? Can you look at David's life and learn from his example? We will learn in the few chapters, in the next few chapters, that David wasn't a perfect man by any means possible. David was a sinner. David did a lot of things that were wrong. And we can still learn from David's mistakes and David's sin as to 
not to do certain things. But we can also learn from David's faith. That his faith was in Jesus. His faith was in God. How is your faith this morning? Do you trust in Jesus? Do you hope in Jesus? Are you living for Jesus? Or do you just have this view and belief about Jesus, but then it's not practically being lived out in your life? You know what I call that? Theoretical atheism. There is a theoretical atheism to say to ourselves, you know what, I don't believe that there is a God who exists. But then there is this sense of practical atheism in a sense of saying to myself, well, you know what, I, I, I know that, that, that God exists, but I'm not living like I ought to. I, I'm not following Christ like I ought to. Practically, if I see in your life, you can say all the wonderful things you want to say about Christ and God and his doctrine, but practically, are you living for Jesus? If you say you believe in the sovereignty and the goodness and mercy of God, how are you living that out in your life? How are you experiencing the power of God in your life? This is what we learn from David. So will you turn to Jesus? For those of you who don't know Jesus, will you turn to the mercy of, of Christ? Will you turn away from your sins and trust in the gospel, the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ? We will partake of the Lord's Supper in just a few minutes. We'll experience a baptism in just a few minutes. But all of that is because of the work of Christ. Will you turn to Jesus? Join me as I pray. Father, we are thankful for the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the mercy of Christ. It is the loving kindness of Jesus that leads us to repentance. And I pray that we have closed the gap between what we believe is true about God and how we are living for God. Pray our desire is to be obedient in the simple things that we believe. To see you move mightily in our hearts, O oh Lord. We might look at David's situation and say, oh, what great faith. But God, what we should say is, oh, what a great God. A great God had moved on behalf of David. A great God had moved on behalf of Joshua. A great God had moved on behalf of Hannah. A great God who moved on behalf of Esther. You're a God who moves mightily in the lives of your people. And God, I pray that we don't look at those stories as if they're so far from us. But God, we, we need to see that you're intimately involved in our lives. So move mightily, O oh Lord. We thank you, we worship you, and we exalt you. Amen, amen.